0: amen all right follow along starting with chapter 12 verse 1 now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church then he killed James the brother of John with the sword and because he saw that it pleased the Jews he proceeded further to seize Peter also now it was during the days of unleavened bread So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison." Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision." When they were past the first and second guardposts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made blast as the king's personal aide their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them, and the people kept shouting, the voice of a god and not of man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So a couple of points as we take a look chapter by chapter and go through this. First off, you see in the first four verses of this chapter 12, and the last, what, four verses of chapter 12 you see King Herod who was persecuting the church you see that he already killed James the brother of John and he seized Peter as well put him in prison and his persecution of the church was real similar to where Paul was as you take a look at Acts chapter 8 verse 1 or chapter 9 verse 1 As it says, he was still breathing out threats and murders against Christians. And what we see here as a similarity in uh, persecution between King Herod and what Paul was doing is you see Christ's protection of his church. You see, the Lord jealously guards his bride, the church. And you know, as the Lord was speaking in, in Matthew chapter 16... Verse 18, he said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. This is the Lord's church. And his protection of the church is personal. If you look at Acts chapter 9, when he had met Paul, or Saul, on the road to Damascus, the first question That he said to him in verse 4 of chapter 9 is this. It says, Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, Paul was persecuting the church, but Christ views the church as himself. This is his bride, this is his church, and he takes it personally. As we look at Peter, as as he was thrown into prison in chapter 12, and we get an opportunity to see his incarceration, his being locked up, his being surrounded by, I think it was four guards or something like that. Bound with two chains between two soldiers and guards before the door were keeping the prison, it says in verse 6. It's similar to Uh, Peter's imprisonment in Acts chapter 5 as him and John were preaching the gospel at that time. What we see in this section just just making it clear as we move our way through you see in verse 5 constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. You see in verse 12 That many were gathered together at the house of Mary, praying. The Lord honors a praying church. The Lord is moved by a praying church. We have just sent off this team. We talked about the prayer nights, the prayer mornings, the prayer afternoons that we're going to be having the next two weeks as we support that team that we just said goodbye to out there. You will see, I mean, as as we grow through these two weeks, and as I get an opportunity to tell you some stories, you know, as we work our way through this, that it's a powerful, powerful intercessory time. I urge you guys, be here, pray, gather, support your church. Let's take a look at chapter 13, starting with verse 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered the, to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bargesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell upon him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down. And after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren... If you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and, motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about forty years he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. And after John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he. But behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you, and that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David, therefore he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to seek corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, and Gentiles begged them, or sorry, the Gentiles begged them that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as as has been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit." Wow, as you guys see, you know, this survey of the book of Acts um, is a little different maybe than our normal teaching. But it's so cool to just rely on the word of God to speak for us sometimes up here. So in chapter 13, we're introduced actually to the home church of Paul. Yes, Paul did have a home church. Paul had a church that cared for him, that he hung around in that he was accountable to. If you look at the end of chapter 11, um, it says in verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. If you get to the first section of chapter 13, again, he was in Antioch, as they were um, ministering to the Lord and fasting when the call upon their lives came. He had a home church. He had a church that welcomed him when he returned back from the mission field. He had a church that the Holy Spirit of God used to gather men and women around him praying and fasting that the Holy Spirit of God sent them out. And we take a look at the calling and the sending out by the Holy Spirit. You know, it says while the Lord or while they ministered to the Lord and fasted, out of this body, out of this little local body, it says separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Do we understand that the Holy Spirit of God still works in that manner here in our little small church? Are we willing to listen to the calling of the Holy Spirit of God on our lives? Have we entrenched our feet, grounded our feet, and rooted ourselves in our comfortable society to where the Holy Spirit of God can't move us? I don't know. It's just questions that I was struggling with as I'm taking a look at this. And as I knew we were sending out the team this morning, so vital that we get an opportunity to hear and listen and be ready to move in obedience to the Holy Spirit of God for the cause of the furtherance of the gospel in our lives. So what's the purpose of sending out? You know, you get back into Romans chapter 10 and it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on one whom they don't believe? And how shall they believe if they don't hear? And how shall they hear if they do not have a preacher? And how shall they preach if they aren't sent? If you take and reverse this this section in Romans chapter 10, you get an opportunity to see that people are sent so they can preach, so people can hear, so that people can believe, so people can be saved. There's a purpose here for the Holy Spirit's calling we see that there's power given over the enemy here as they reach as they get to the island of Cyprus and they face elements the sorcerer right who wants to detract people away from hearing the word of God and they were given power over the enemy and Paul, in boldness and in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God, says, O oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? How many people do we know in our context as we walk through life in other cults or world, world religions are teaching people to not worship God? Jesus do we understand they are enemies of the cross you know you take a look in chapter 13 again as an overview and you see Paul again filled with the Holy Spirit given opportunity by the Lord in the synagogues to be asked to stand up and give an exhortation to the people And by abiding in the living word of God, he starts speaking forth the gospel, beginning with the Old Testament truth. You guys, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Abiding in the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to abide in you, the Lord can use in the furtherance of the gospel in this world. Because there's power in the Word of God. Let's move on to chapter 14. Beginning with verse 1. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, And so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when he had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples Exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed and After they had passed through Pisidia they came to Pamphylia Now when they had preached the word in Perga they went down to Italia from there They sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Okay, let's take a look at what's going on real quickly as we recap chapter 14. You know, my eyes first go as I was taking a look at this and just making observations to verse 3 in chapter 14. It says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And you know, on the day of Pentecost, right, Uh, At least as the Lord was leading the disciples in Acts chapter 1 to the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus told them, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what was that power for? It was for gospel advancement. It was for speaking boldly in the Lord. We see in chapter 14 also that persecution forces gospel preaching in other towns. We see as he goes through the persecuted little towns, it forces him to another town to open his mouth for the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You take a look at as he was going back through when he got done. um, After he was stoned, they thought he was dead. The Lord raised him up again. He went back into the city and then he starts returning to the other cities that he'd already preached in where churches were beginning to start the little seedlings of churches were starting to grow and he went back there to strengthen the churches you know discipling is more than just evangelizing if you take a look at the context of the great commission discipling is not just preaching them the word of God, creating converts and walking off and leaving. It's continuing to live life with them, continuing to walk with them through the struggles of life. And it says, where is it? In verse uh, 22, it says that he strengthened the souls of the disciples. It says he exhorted them to continue in the faith and that they must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So he was in his homecoming at the end of 14. In his homecoming, he celebrates with his home church again as to what the Lord has done in opening their eyes and hearts to become believers in the gospel. Let's go to chapter 15. It says, And certain certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain of the apostles sorry, certain others of them, should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren and when they had come to Jerusalem they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders and they reported all things that God had done with them but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter and when there had been much dispute Peter rose up and said to them Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ we have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same thing by word of mouth for it seemed good to the holy spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you should abstain that you abstain from things offered to idols from blood from things strangled and from sexual immorality if you keep yourself from these you will do well farewell so when they were sent off they came to Antioch and when they had gathered the multitude together they delivered the letter when they had read it they rejoiced over its encouragement now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words and after they had stayed there for a time they, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles however it seemed good to Silas to remain there Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. As we take a look at this section in chapter 15, and we kind of read through... um, maybe some of the decision-making procedures that happen in the local church, in the first century local church. We see that the Lord uses the leadership of the local church, directed by the Holy Spirit of God, men that are filled with the Holy Spirit, men that stand upon the authority of the word of God, to guard and protect Doctrine and theology. There will always be. The enemy's. um, Methods. Of introducing. Extra biblical truth. By and through into the church. Sometimes there'll be. um, There'll be attempts by the enemy. To say that there's certain parts of the word of God. That are no longer valid due to cultural and social um, pressures. And what we see in this chapter 15 is how the Lord had put together leadership in a church. Again, men filled with the Holy Spirit of God to stand on the authority of the word of God. and to make the decisions it takes to protect doctrine and to protect theology. Again, standing on the authoritative word. You know, it's real similar to Acts chapter 11, as we take a look at this, in that Peter, as he took the gospel to the house of Cornelius and preached the gospel in a non-Jewish home to non-Jews, and non-Jews were saved. They had a similar dispute. You know, the decisions that were rendered in this context with church leadership were not only, as they stand upon the authority of the word of God, were not only approved by the men and approved by the church as they rejoiced in those decisions, but if you look in verse... 28, it also seemed good to the Holy Spirit. This is God's way to protect doctrine in the church. And it's a real good example to us how those kind of things work. Because you know what I mean. Standing on the truth of this in an age that we live in, in a society that we live in, isn't easy. And the pressures on the outside, on a local church like this, to, to give and to eliminate and to change and to add on to are tremendous. And it's only by and through the Holy Spirit of God with Spirit-filled leaders that we can trust that it's happening that it's continuing to be glorifying to the Lord standing on his word chapter 16 how's everybody doing good. so far so good and I think we're doing okay <laughs> time-wise all right chapter 16 <clears throat> then he came to Derby and Lystra and behold a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were, with, or who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in numbers daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God the lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by paul and when she and her husband were baptized she begged us saying if you have judged me to be faithful to the lord come to my house and say or come to my house and stay so she persuaded us now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought their masters much profit by fortune telling This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them, and brought them out, and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison, and entered the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Okay. One thing you see in detail here, and it isn't the first time, but you see in detail um, Paul being obedient to Christ's commission, making disciple-makers out of a few people that are in his circumstances you see timothy in this beginning first five verses whom the lord arranges circumstances to be part of that inner circle that um, that paul was going through and and dealing with you know first we had let's see barnabas right as far as the main disciple makers first you have barnabas who went up to Tarsus of Cilicia to get Paul, right? Who took him to Antioch and that kind of stuff as as making disciples and disciple makers. Then you see as as the Lord allowed a division between Barnabas and Paul, you see a, a duplication of efforts for the gospel. You see Barnabas going with Mark, John Mark, and go into Cyprus, and you see Paul with a new disciple that he's making, becoming a disciple maker in Silas. Now you see Timothy. And you see, as you go through the epistles, you see how much Paul will continue to pour into Timothy. You know, secondly, we take a look at chapter 16, and you see the direction of the Holy Spirit of God leading them over to Macedonia. You know, the Lord has a plan. He has prepared the ways, right? He has seeded the soil. And I guess I'm thinking about our team as we send them off, you know, to Nepal. And we pray that the Lord went before them, right? Right? And the Lord scattered seeds, the Lord affected hearts, the Lord softened minds, the Lord spoke to the Nepali people, you know, up there in in the Langtang village area and gave them visions and dreams, we pray, that when they come and open up their mouth for the cause of the gospel, they receive it with gladness and understanding, right? You know, this is a, um, a real pointed section of scripture as to the power and the direction and the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God for that great commission of taking the gospel to all the nations. You know, you see the first believers like in Lydia in Philippi. And you see the Lord um, softened her heart to heed the gospel as it says in verse 14. It says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Can we honestly say as we sit in our seats this morning that we are listening and being guided by the Holy Spirit of God in everything we do? Do we trust the Lord with our lives and our direction with what he has for us tomorrow? Are we ready to move when he calls us to move? Are we ready to open our mouth when he says, I prepared you, open your mouth. You know, um, even back in the Old Testament, as I was kind of in my personal reading in uh, Second Corinthians—sorry, Second Chronicles, chapter 27. King Jotham, who you don't read about a lot and some of that kind of stuff—it says that Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Man, it's a real simple verse, and I looked at that, and man, it just haunted me. Do we prepare our ways before the Lord our God in everything we do that the Holy Spirit of God could lead and direct? You know, it's a beautiful exhortation to us to follow the Lord. You see this this, um, Philippian jailer. Wow, I'm running out of time. We see this Philippian jailer, you guys, um, that is converted And you see that Paul and Silas with their feet in the stocks after being beat, right? Are singing praises to the Lord and they're praying. And the Lord answers that and shakes the prison foundations, right? Listen, that happens. And the exhortation to us in this is even in the greatest, most severe tribulations of our life. The Lord desires us to give him praise, to give him glory, to give him honor, to trust him that what he's doing is good and right and glorifying for his name. You know, I've got to take a second and read this. You guys, there's um, a book called The Insanity of God. And in there is a little condensed version of a story. Listen to this just in the recent centuries. It says, Dmitry was a Russian factory worker imprisoned after the house church he pastored grew to 150 people. He was sent a 1,000 miles away to a hardened criminal facility full of 1,500 prisoners. As far as he knew, he was the only believer. Every morning he would get up, face the east, raise his hands, and sing songs of praise to God. And as he sang, the other prisoners would bang their cups along their cell bars, curse him, and throw their food and human waste at him. All he had to do to be released was sign a piece of paper recanting his faith in Jesus. For 17 years, he refused to sign. But after they convinced him that they had killed his wife and had custody of his sons, he agreed to sign the paper the next morning. That night, his family sensed something was wrong and started praying for Dimitri. Dimitri said the Holy Spirit opened his ears so that he could hear his family praying. He knew his wife was still alive and they were all together. He refused to sign the document. Several weeks later, the guards decided to execute him. As they were dragging him out of his cell to his execution, the prisoners stood up facing the east, raised their hands, this is all 1,500 of them, and sang, Oh God, give me strength. The fear of God came upon those guards and they were terrified. They asked Dimitri, who are you? He looked them right in the eyes and said, I am a son of the living God and his name is Jesus Christ. And he was released shortly after. Eventually his son became the chaplain of that prison. You guys... The Lord still acts today like he did in the book of Acts. Quickly, half of chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbath reasons for them, from, reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, being envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. And when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Worship team, if you want to come on up here and get ready. That hurries hurries me up. You guys, as persecu- persecution begins again, Paul continues to preach Jesus as the Christ. And you kind of wonder why persecution is continually to happen. You know, don't they realize the love of Christ? Except for this point the gospel is not a complete gospel unless it includes repentance. Repentance is offensive, the cross is offensive. You know, a gospel without repentance leads to the addition of Christ to your life rather than a submission to Christ of your life. You know, the Berean believers were positioned by their understanding and their abiding in the word of God to be saved. And you know, John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8 kind of reedifies a truth. It says, if you abide in me, Jesus is saying this, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. And you guys, as we begin this closing song, um, there's three of us left in this room that aren't on the way to the airport to fly out for Nepal that will remember how a praying church affects their... um, their livelihood, their safety over across the world. Nate and David and I, um, as we, on the last day of our trekking last year, headed back out of the villages down to Saifu-Bessi, we got there and gathered together for dinner and found out that night, you guys, that the roads were blocked, there was a strike going on, there was no passageway for vehicles between Saifu-Bessi and um, Badur, and Badur and Kathmandu. We knew that that night at dinner um, as we had an opportunity to get our first shower in about six days, you know, some of that kind of thing. And we knew that if the Lord didn't act and open up the roads, the bus wasn't going to go and we had to pack our gear and get ready to hike out to Badur and possibly to Kathmandu. You guys, that's a long, long ways. So we went to bed that night. We got up early in the morning, met down there at breakfast. And as we ate breakfast, we went out and talked to the bus drivers. Yes, the road was still closed. The strike was still going on. They weren't allowing any vehicles through. And we ate breakfast, you guys, and we gathered upstairs in Rory's in my room in this um, guest house and we started praying and we prayed and Roy took out his guitar and we started singing praises to God and we just started saying Lord look your will be done if we do need to walk out of here if we've got to hike out of here we can still make it in time to get on the plane but Lord you've got to enable us you've got to equip us You've got to make it happen. And you guys, as we're singing and we're praying, John, our um, uh, translator, hears something. He runs downstairs, goes out to the bus, comes running back upstairs, opens up the door, and says, you guys, the road is opened. Get your stuff. Hop on the bus. We're leaving. We took a look at our clocks, you guys. We took a look at our watches. That time of morning. It was about a quarter to seven, quarter to eight, about 7.45 in the morning. That was the time that you guys as a church were meeting down here at 6 p.m., your time here. Listen, it's necessary. And for all of you guys here in this room, please, please, I beg of you, come down to the church. Let's pray for the next two weeks We're just asking that the church would labor in prayer to intercede for these men and women that we've just sent out.